You're listening to You Talk Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie on the web at utalkradio.com. It's Steve from You Talk Radio. I'm with two of my favorite people, Katie and Larissa. Aww. Hey, guys. You're one of my favorite people, too. Uh, <laughs> so nice. Hey, I'm looking forward to the show today. How about you guys? I'm looking forward to it because my favorite person is actually coming on. More fave than me. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, Steve. You are one of my favorites, but oh, okay. I have one that maybe I favor just a little bit more. Okay. Okay. We'll <laughs> let you have that one. I'm looking forward to it because we have some interesting things to talk about, like tolerance and maybe a special project that you might know about, Larissa? Yeah, maybe. Give us a hint. Okay. Um, it's bigger than a bread box. <laughs> that doesn't really help. That does No, that doesn't help. Or it could be smaller than a bread box, depending on how you consume this item. Is it edible? <laughs> no. Okay. It's not edible. It's not an animal. It's not a person. But there are people in it. Is it a planet? It is not a planet. Is it something you watch? <gasps> Ooh, getting warmer. Ooh, I need my Rimshot app right now. (laughs) It is something you watch. Okay, so I won't tease you too much, but it's actually a documentary short film I think you guys are going to really like. Nice. And we're going to talk to someone that's involved, and it's going to be a great discussion. But before that, we are going to do a little street talk. What do you guys think? Yes, street talk is so fun. What is it? It's when we grab a mic and head for a campus mall or maybe a park and take random questions from people. See, I was just kidding because I know what it is. Just want to see if you guys don't. did. Oh, no, that's it. Today's question comes from another Katie, and it might be something you have wondered about. Really? Street talk. Hi, my name is Katie, and I was wondering, um, do men with long beers have to shampoo it? I've never wondered about that question, but thank you, Katie, for that (laughs) question. That's that's totally random. I can't speak from experience because I don't have a beard. Have you ever had a beard? I tried to grow one a couple different times, a beard and a mustache. And being the Italian dude that I am, I just don't have that DNA that enables me to grow a decent looking one. I thought Italians had a lot of hair. Some do, and some of us don't. (laughs) My dad grew a mustache once and it freaked me out because he looked like a bad guy. Oh, You know, one of those kung fu flicks. That's what my dad looked like. (laughs) He actually grew it out for a play he was doing. um, (laughs) So he he played well, and you know what? He played like this really bad husband in this play, so I guess it It fits the part. (laughs) Well, you know, I would think long beard, short beard, you'd have to shampoo it or wash it or somehow i know so a lot of my guy friends grow beards i've never asked them that i should because that's i'm kind of curious now i think we should maybe ask our audience hey if you guys have a beard or a goatee or a mustache out there um i know some of you guys are young but you know i had friends in high school that had (laughs) yeah no yeah a lot of like a big burly beard um please let us know text us facebook us um or give us a call we'd love to hear how you take care of your beard especially if you have one that's long and braided because that's that's my kind of random question i want to go up to these guys sometime and say when you wash your beard do you unbraid it? I wonder if it's like dreads. Like I have friends who have dreadlocks yeah, and they just shampoo with the dreadlocks. They don't take them out because yeah. you, you yeah. leave them in for like months on end. Yeah. And so, you know, they just shampoo with it on. So maybe the beards are like that are knotted and, and braided in the same way or, or kind of the same deal. Could maybe. be. I, it, that makes sense. You know, it, they, to me, they look kind of cool. I've just been curious. I think, Steve, that for Halloween and for Christmas, like you should try the beard to grow it out. And <laughs> could we like at Christmas, could we like decorate it? You know, put yeah. like little like Christmas, you know, Candy ornaments in there. And, oh, yeah. the 
only if you'll let me put lights in it too. Okay, like oh, little battery oh, that power would be lights. Really cool. They do. They have yeah. the battery operating yeah. ones, yeah, and no. they'd be flashing twinkly lights in yes. your beard. Absolutely, I think it'd be cool. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. Now, what kind of decorations would you put? Um, well, I said. You know, candy canes. Yeah. Okay. And like ornaments, you know, like the, right. the bulbs. And I want to put a penguin in there too. Oh, you would have Would Garfield be in there too? I have Christmas Garfield, okay. so we'll oh, make okay. that happen. As far as ornaments, you don't put heavy ones though. If I'm going to grow this beard and have to wear this this thing out in public, I mean, I don't want my head hanging down because of the weight of the ornaments. Well, that's okay because you can have a little elf to help you carry your beard around if it's a long and heavy beard. And if the ornaments start falling off, they can have a little Christmas like sack to like collect all of them. Oh, okay. Now, what about the Halloween look? Hmm. Let's see. We can go for a like wizard look, you know, kind of Harry Potter, Dumbledore kind Ooh, of a look, yes, you know, yes, or Gandalf the Grey kind of look. Just something a little darker. A little bit more mysterious. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, remember, you talk is all about you talking to us. So if you have ideas for Steve's beard, we want to hear from you. You can reach <laughs> us online at utalkradio.com or at utalkradio on social media. Send us other questions that are non-beard related as well. There's a lot more Utah coming up right after this. So stay with us. We'll be back with a special guest. Utah Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie. This is You Talk Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie. One of the topics that's been trending for a while is immigration. It's an issue that a lot of people feel passionate about. On today's show, we're going to look at immigration from a different angle, one you may not be familiar with. We don't often get to have an in-studio guest join us on the show. It's usually by phone. But today, Baldwin Chu is with us to discuss Finding Cleveland, an award-winning film about his family. And since Larissa has had an awful lot to do with this documentary, I've asked her to introduce Baldwin and the film. Well, Baldwin, she was our guest today, and let me just say he has really good taste in women. <laughs> oh, okay. I said women. That's plural, right? Or I should say in one woman in particular. <laughs> oh, are we just a little biased? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Um, for those of you who don't know, Baldwin, she was actually my husband. Uh, yes. And we worked on this film together. Um, he is also known as Only One, uh, the lyrical engineer. He's a hip-hop artist who's a spokesperson for the White House Stay With It engineering campaign. And uh, he's been doing all these crazy, funny music videos, and he raps about dim sum and thermodynamics. But Finding Cleveland is a family project. It's a passion project um, that we have been working on. Um, and it's been a film we've been touring all across the country, and it's won several awards, including the Oxford Film Festival Best Documentary. And uh, Baldwin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for Hey, Baldwin. Hey, great to have you. All right. Baldwin and Larissa, I'm going to put you in there as well. Give us a synopsis of Finding Cleveland. What What's the heartbeat of this film? Well, it started off with just me trying to figure out who I was. Uh, I remember when I was back hmm. in high school, uh, I had no idea where my family was from. Wow. So... Um, when we discovered uh, an early settlement of Chinese immigrants in Mississippi during the late 1800s, early 1900s, we discovered our family, my grandfather and great-grandfather over there. Now, you know, it's interesting you mentioned Mississippi, Baldwin, because for me, anyway, I don't typically think of Mississippi being a place where Chinese would settle. I mean, I think of the West Coast, San Francisco, you know, the Bay Area, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was what we thought, too. And so um, I think that's what makes this this uh, this documentary so uh, insightful and emotional and people are like what you know asian people chinese people in the deep south of mississippi 
during segregation. And there was this thing we discovered about the Chinese Exclusion Act, which really hit me hard. You know, me and my entire family, we, we didn't realize that they had actual laws that were against us. It was, it was kind of awkward, you know, like, um, you know, the, the slaves were freed. And then like around that same time, they like took away our freedom for the, the Chinese. Now, see, that is, that is uh, so fascinating. It, it, it really is. It, it's an interesting concept because I didn't know it until I you know heard from you guys. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think I think a lot of people have the same sentiment. And it's not written in our history books. That's one thing that we're definitely trying to change as we're uh, touring the country. Um, like Larissa was saying, we're, we're touring the country, not just at film festivals uh, and at libraries and museums, but we're also going to schools. So we've been able to go to universities and high schools and just uh, showing them the film. Um, That's awesome. Just, hopefully, you know, um, getting, getting some conversation about what does it really mean to be American? Well, with high school and college students, what kind of response are you guys getting? Well, certain areas where um, they're a little more diverse culturally, some of them actually have heard of the Chinese Exclusion Act, usually oh. East and West Coast hmm. play people. But in the middle of the country, that's that's where we get a lot of the oohs and ahs and what. You know, Asian people in Mississippi, like, that's crazy. I never heard of this story. Why I've never heard of this story before. I, I heard a little bit about, you know, railroads and gold mines, but... You know, not about them being in the deep south. <laughs> I think, you know, unless you're from the south or know someone from the south that happens to be Chinese, like like 99% of this country doesn't know that there were Chinese. No. I know I wasn't. I grew up in California and, you know, I had no clue. I was the ignorant Californian, went over there for the first time, which is what the film was about, is our trip two and a half years ago, where we go to visit uh, Baldwin's grandfather's gravesite. And we, we I, I literally thought we'd see just one gravestone with Chinese names on it. And, huh. it, and there's this whole cemetery, in fact, with Chinese names wow. on it. There were thousands and thousands over generations that had lived and died in the in the Delta, Mississippi Delta, and people don't know about it. See, so. that's amazing. Yeah. It's a story that needs to be told. It really is. Yeah, I mean, they definitely contributed so much to the culture. I mean, the Italians, you guys are Italian. The Italians were there, too, as yeah. were the Lebanese mm-hmm. and the Jewish community. Most people think of it just in terms of black and white. Mm. Well, why is your film so timely, given the political environment in our culture today? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of talk right now about, like, what what does it really mean to be American? Who belongs here? You know, we got this immigration yeah. issue. A lot mm-hmm. of people are here. A lot of people want to be here. And, yeah, there, there's definitely people here that have come over here can I say the word illegally? I don't know. Maybe unauthorized access into this sure. country. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the politically correct term is. Well, it's but, an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a hot topic right it now. Is. Because it everybody, really is. There's, there's obviously something great about America if everybody wants to be here. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, so that's, 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 that's a point in itself. We know that people want to be here. So I think, but this is timely because we're trying to figure out, well, if everybody wants to be here, then who should be? be able to get yeah, here and, and who and, should mm-hmm. reap those benefits and, who, and how does that happen right you know and there's a lot of people out there that want to be here and they're doing it the right way and you know they're they're coming through immigration and they're going through all these processes and people want to talk about well should you be doing that can you be doing that why should you be doing that why should we let you do that oh, you know? lots of questions i think i think the important part of this is that the, the chinese have been in this country for a long time mm-hmm. so i think um it's timely in that even today uh, people look at asians as the perpetual foreigner and they have no idea, no clue that the Asian contribution to this country has been significant oh, it's for huge. over mm-hmm. 200 years. It's been huge. So for someone to look at a face like this and automatically presume that I don't speak any English, you know, which happens, <laughs> wow. you know, it's, pathetic. it's like, why? I am American. My grandfather was American. My great grandfather was American. And so, uh, and I'm sure my, you know, my great, great grandparents were here as well because <laughs> I, we found out my great grandfather was actually born here in 1800. Oh, that's incredible. So, 
craziness. We we should be here. Absolutely. It's and you know, Baldwin, you've kind of and Larissa, you've opened up this. Uh, I mean, there's so much we could talk about, and we need to talk more about it. And we're going to be talking more with you a little bit later in the show. Um, right now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be responding to a question about tolerance, which really fits into our topic well today. If you want to be part of the discussion on Utah, call us at 1-855-508-8255, or you can go to utahradio.com, send us a comment or a question. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more Utah. Please, please, please identify yourself. Utah Solutions-Based Radio. Call us at 855-50-U-TALK. You're listening to Utah Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie. Before we continue our discussion on the film Finding Cleveland by our own Larissa and her husband, who's also our fave beatboxer, Baldwin. Nice. Hey, we got to do a beatbox drum thing together. Hey. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to see that duel go down, but I think me we're going to have to wait till after the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, someone give me a Kleenex. I'm going to wipe this mic. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the person who sent us a question, he, he, you didn't spit on him. Yeah, Chase doesn't need that because he sent us a question at our website, utalkradio.com. Here's the question we got from Chase. Everyone at school talks about tolerance. We even have to attend an assembly and participate in a special tolerance day. But how tolerant do I really need to be with someone else? Steve, I have to be tolerant with you all the time. Oh, Larissa, ditto, ditto, and <laughs> Katie, ditto. Baldwin, I need to be tolerant with you all the time, too. That's what, when you're in a relationship, you got to be really tolerant with another person. You know what the problem is, though, with tolerance in our culture today, in our society? It's been twisted and, and, and turned around, and it's blown way out of proportion. Well, you know, I think the thing about tolerance is sometimes when people say, like, we have to be tolerant. They they expect you to agree with everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you have to agree with everyone. You just can't be bullying everybody just because you disagree with them. Yeah. And tolerance exactly. is not empowering somebody else to believe what they want to be. Tolerance is simply saying, you know what? I might disagree with you, but you're welcome to believe what you want to believe. Yeah, I think I feel like on social media, especially, it's like if somebody disagrees with you, like all of a sudden you're like their enemy yeah. and like oh, they yeah. hate you forever. And I just feel like there are a lot of people in my family that I don't agree with, but I still love them and I, they're still my family members and I tolerate them. I mean, sure, you know, maybe we won't talk politics because we have a different opinion, but we'll kind of agree to disagree. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a key factor, Larissa, agreeing to disagree. And, mm-hmm. and Chase, I hope you're listening and, and this is making some sense to you because we do need to tolerate one another. We need to tolerate uh, one another's belief system. We need to, whatever it happens to be, unless it's illegal or, or, or it's harmful to someone somebody, but we don't have to empower, but we do have to say, you're welcome to believe that. I also think maybe a better word for tolerance day is just, I don't know, maybe more understanding one another more day. You know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Because I think tolerance has such a like standoffish, okay, well, I'm just going to deal with it and live with mm-hmm. it as opposed to truly understanding. I mean, and that's kind of what our film Finding Cleveland is about is that in the midst of segregation, there was a lot of racism going on. In the midst of a Chinese Exclusion Act, which limited immigration and who was even that Chinese people weren't even allowed to be citizens. Like people lived and coexisted somehow, and they learned to get along despite the fact that there were many differences and certainly a lot of tension in the air. Well, you know, I, I often think of the. To me, I call it timeless wisdom. Just the simple fact of treat somebody else the way you would like to be treated. 
I mean, think about how different our world would be today if we just simply did that. Whether you agree, disagree, whether you practice something different than somebody else, you look different, you eat different food, can't we just simply say, I'm going to treat you the way I would like to be treated. And until then, I will still continue to tolerate you, Steve. <laughs> oh, you're so nice, Larissa. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. It's easier to tolerate you, Katie. Aww. Oh, here we go. Pick on Steve Day. <laughs> With the, there isn't supposed to be such a day like that. Well, I guess I just need to understand you more, Steve. And if I understand you more, Steve, I'll learn to love you more. Well, there's a lot to understand. I understand that. Oh, a play on words. <laughs> <laughs> so much understanding. I feel like we need to have a group hug right now. Okay, group hug. All right. But practically speaking, I mean, Chase sends us this note. He wants to know about this. What can he do? We've mentioned something already, uh, treating others the way you want to be treated. How do, how do we live this out, guys? Well, I think it is taking the time to listen to people. I think it's th- taking time to actually... Going back to what I said earlier, this I know we kind of joked about understanding, but really getting to know people and asking questions about them um, and developing a friendship with people. Yeah, connecting yeah. with other people and showing interest in them. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a combination of everything you guys said, because sometimes like we will understand somebody better if we know where they're coming from and really know yeah. like what happened to them. So then it makes more sense why they act the way they do. Sure. And I think so many people just don't take the time. They just kind of brush them off and judge them right away. And it's like, oh, I'll just put up with you because I have to. But you don't really take the time to understand why they're that way. And it changes the relationship you'll have with that person when you really kind of see them in a different way. Well, and let me throw something in here. That means, I think, putting your phone in your pocket. Not, what? Not trying to no, do it. Yeah, come on. I what know, am I going to do? How, I mean, I, I actually have to talk to them and look at you them. I need my Instagram and my Snapchat. Come and, on, And look Steve. them in the eye. Turn it off, Larissa. Put it in your pocket and look somebody in the eye and listen to them instead of, you know, kind of trying to, to multitask. I'm a drummer. I can multitask. But when it comes to relationally, you need to put it away. Well, and I think at the end of the day, um, it's about knowing that we all bleed the same. Yes. You know, yeah. Even we make different choices in life and see things differently, we all bleed the same. And I don't think anybody at the heart of it really wants, hopefully doesn't want ill will for anyone else. No, no I hope not. Let's learn to appreciate each other for who we are and what we do and what we like and what we don't like. And our differences uh, don't have to divide us. Well, coming up on Utah right after the break, we'll continue our discussion on Finding Cleveland and the Chinese Exclusion Act with our special in-studio guest, Baldwin Shu. Don't go anywhere. This is Utah Radio. You're listening to Utah Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie. Earlier in the show, we began a fascinating discussion about a very unusual film called Finding Cleveland with Larissa and her husband, Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin, give us uh, the the essence of the Chinese Exclusion Act, why it's important for us to know about it, and how it affected your family. Well, the Chinese Exclusion Act, um, in essence, was a law that was enacted uh, by Congress to basically persuade the Chinese to go back to China. There was a law because they did not want the Chinese here anymore. There was a lot of disgruntled uh, feelings towards the Chinese because after the railroads were completed, uh-huh. um, th- there was a lot of laborers in the force. Okay, and, so that was the issue then. Too mm-hmm. much labor? Too much labor. So uh, I think back then it was the Irish that really pushed it. Huh. was saying, like, you're taking all our jobs away. You know, We want you to go, go away. So they enacted this law that said we will not allow uh, Chinese people to take labor jobs anymore. 
Um, but we would force them into maybe some other types of jobs. Interesting. See, I, again, I, this has not been part of my historical knowledge, and I like to think of myself as a as a history buff. In fact, I have a minor in history as part of my degree. It must be very minor. Oh, <laughs> oh I need my snare drum with a rim shot. <laughs> and <laughs> it's our final appearance for our guest. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> no, you know what's interesting for me, Baldwin, uh, being Italian, okay, I was raised in the in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, and um, my family did a lot of business with Chinese Americans. It was, uh, we never looked at Chinese Americans like, oh, you don't belong here. And I, I never would have thought what you're sharing with me just because it was so natural for us us to be doing business and working together and and socializing together. See, it's natural because the you know, Italians and Chinese have history, right? Because yes. you know Marco Polo. We go all the way back with Marco Polo. <laughs> you right? stole our noodles. You know yeah. that. <laughs> that was that was tomato uh, beef chow mein. Uh, okay. But you guys turned it into spaghetti. I'm just, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but no. But seriously, I mean, it's the same. It's 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 actually a similar in that regards with what's going on in Mississippi and our historical because historically because if people don't understand the history of the Chinese in this country. Country, then they're going to automatically assume that we don't belong here. So I think the Chinese Exclusion Act was was one of those things that said uh, we don't want to acknowledge the history of the Chinese before the Exclusion Act was enacted. We don't want to acknowledge that the Chinese were very instrumental in in mining for gold, which is the number one standard for wealth in any country still Absolutely, today, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's an, an economic status for our country was gold. So we contributed to the economic status of America. And then the railroads, right? They wanted to forget about the significance that they gave to the building of the railroads, which is still today probably one of the number one transportation for commerce of goods across the country. And you know what's interesting as we were researching the film and, and finding out is there's a lot of you know omission, the invisible like contributors and, and a lot of the photos that you see at Promontory Point of the completion of the railroad there are no Chinese in the no picture. Way. And they were kicked out intentionally. In fact one of our friends, their great grandfather um, actually was one of those railroad workers and he said they have a picture and he's like standing probably behind the camera. Uh-huh. And so they intentionally didn't give credit to the Chinese. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, I, I, I see. I can't wrap my head around that. It just seems so because I mean, America isn't America supposed to be the melting pot and the welcoming country, and everybody come. Our arms are open wide, and and you contribute. And and the Chinese have done a made huge contributions. Well, the other contribution that we don't ever hear about is who picked cotton. Everyone just thinks black people picked yeah. cotton. Mm-hmm. Well. History shows that the Chinese were right there side by side with the black community picking cotton right after slavery was abolished, right? Interesting. Wow. And so people just they, you know, they just assume that after slavery was abolished, cotton just picked itself for something, right? <laughs> but they purposely recruited and brought Chinese over to help with that. And so that's the history that we just don't hear about. That's just so fascinating. Now, Baldwin, this had to be a really emotional experience to be able to learn so much about your family history. What was one of the biggest surprises for you on your trip to Cleveland, Mississippi? <sighs> well, this, so there were so many surprises. Um, <laughs> and that's what our film is about, is actually all the surprises All the we surprises. <laughs> yeah, I think our biggest surprise was being able to find out so much more about my great-grandfather as uh, well as my grandfather. I, I grew up not knowing anything about my grandfather. My dad never talked about it. It was one of those hush-hush things. And um, when we finally got there, we learned 
how significant my grandfather and great grandfather were to the community. We started learning about their contributions to the community, how how they were successful, and how they gave back to the community. See, I think a lot of people when they look at this this Asian face, they they just look at us as as people that are just coming over here now, trying to take things from this country and yeah. receiving all mm-hmm. the yeah, all this opportunity, right? Sure. But what we learned is that my grandfather and great grandfather were there during the depression, right? So not only were was times bad. They were segregated. There was a Chinese Exclusion Act. Economy was horrible, and they were trying to. They had this law that's trying to kick everyone out. And they're the trying to. Left, they're they're right? trying to find a way to survive. They're trying but, to find a way to make a living. But what we found out was that everyone was affected by the depression. The sure. Great depression. Yeah. So when blacks could not buy any food, they went to the Chinese grocery stores, and it was people like my grandfather and great grandfather that said, "We will extend you credit, and we know you may not pay us back, but I'm still going to let you get this food because um, we live in your community." Wow. And this is again during segregation, so a lot of the white stores wouldn't even let blacks in the store. So the Chinese were able to fill a void um, and and serve the black community when the whites wouldn't. When you listen to today's, um, you know, all the talk around today, you think that there's still a whole bunch of hatred between Asians and blacks sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's kind of ironic. Let's go back to the segregated South to learn how they got along together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, why can't we just learn from each other and, and realize, hey, you know, we were both minority groups that, that struggled at this time. And there's still things we're struggling with, but why not? Endure the struggle together. Yeah. Well, what Baldwin and Larissa, what's next for Finding Cleveland? Well, uh, the story uh, doesn't stop after two days like the uh, film actually was was on for Finding Cleveland was about. So we are making a full-length documentary. Oh, awesome. Very uh, cool. And we are um, we, we, we have already started filming, and then um, we're going we're gonna to make it into a full-length documentary and just answer a bunch of questions. Larissa likes to call it a... A prequel and a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> All in one. <laughs> well, the thing is, our, our short film is... Uh, chronicling the 48 hours that we were in Cleveland, Mississippi, Mm -hmm. and what we uncovered um, two and a half years ago. And since then, we've uncovered so much more. That was just scratching the surface. And if you could believe it, I mean, people who have seen the film, it's like, wow, you you uncovered so much in so little time. Well, two years later, um, we've got a much better picture of who Baldwin's grandfather and great-grandfather was. In fact, we recently went to the National Archive up in San Francisco, and there are files on every single Chinese person um, who was living here during the Chinese Exclusion Act who traveled wow. back and forth to China. And this is one of the most surprising things that I think I uncovered huh. is that because of our country's, you know, kind of discrimination, uh, discriminatory laws, we actually have really good records of his family history now. There was a Chinese registry. That was a real thing. I know huh. there's all this, all these things that we talk about in theory nowadays, um, like they were a reality back then. Back so then. when people compare that to like today, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Yes, it's a <laughs> cautionary tale. We've been down this road before, but listen up. Like it was way worse back then than it is now, you know? So you got to keep things in perspective in that regard. Um, so hopefully people learn from that. And um, we share that information in the new film. We also talk more about the relationships, as Baldwin mentioned, between the black community and the white community and the Chinese community coexisting in the South and how everyone just kind of survived together. Um, So there's a lot of more fun surprises, um, some emotional surprises that Ah. we're going to reveal to people when they see the second film. 
You know, I can hardly wait because I've said this to you guys before, but uh, I'm going to say it again. I love the film. We've been part of the Finding Cleveland experience, and and it it just I learn something new every time I see it. And now you guys have shared with me uh, off air some of the new things you found. What's going to be in the new? Uh, I can hardly wait. Now, where can people find out more info on the film, Baldwin? Well, you can just go to FindingCleveland.com. You can watch the trailer over oh, there, as nice. well as check out our screening list. So to find out if we're going to come to a city near you. Very cool. And uh, we're going to play a little bit of a clip audio-wise as we go out into the break, so hopefully people get a taste of our film. Well, it's a great film, and I hope many more people see it. You learn a lot. I never knew anything about all that history. And uh, after the break, we'll be talking about learning how to make a family tree, so stay with us here on Talk. My brother and I were both born in San Francisco. My parents were from China and Hong Kong. We would ask my dad about my dad's side of the family, like my grandpa, but he never really said anything about it. So we just kind of stopped asking. Eventually, we found an old photo album with some pictures, and we saw a gravestone, and we were like, who's this guy? And then we found out that this was actually our grandfather's grave. So my brother and I asked my dad, this tombstone, where is it? I mean, it's probably back in your home village or something, right? And my dad's like, no. It's in English. It's in Mississippi. My grandfather was in Mississippi? What happened there? Please, please identify yourself. Utah. Solutions-based radio. Call us at 855-50-U-TALK. Utah Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie. On the web at utalkradio.com. You know, I've heard it said that you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. Why do you guys think it's so important to know our family history? You know, the old family tree idea. I think that it's important to know who you are because I think it informs who you are today and and hopefully like who your children and and people, you know, down the line will be. I mean, I know sometimes we don't think about like down the line or Mm -hmm. and, and all that. But, you know, I know the more I think about my identity, I mean, I was born here. I was the first one in my family born here. My parents were born in China. Ah. And I've sometimes heard about my dad coming to this country with $60 in his pocket, not knowing a whole lot of English and not knowing anyone. And, you know, he's been kind of like the American dream success story. Um, But then I don't know much about my grandparents and my great grandparents, even though I knew my grandparents. But I never stopped to ask, like, hey, what was it like for you in China when you were going through war and depression and all those other things? See, I'm fortunate because I, I know a lot about both sides of my family, my mom's side, my dad's side, uh, you know, knowing that my dad's father, my grandfather and his brothers came to this country, my grandmother did. Uh, they came first uh, over here, settled in on the West Coast in the San Jose area because it was so much like Naples, Italy, which is, is the area we're from. And I actually have a picture on my mom's side of my great great-grandparents at their wedding, and I have a copy of a handwritten note my great-great-grandfather sent to my great-great-grandmother when they got engaged. Wow. So, and it, this is so precious to me. And and uh, then my uh, second cousin wrote a series of short books about our family, kind of sort of fictionalized, but they're, they're really not fiction. It's the truth. So I like the fact that I've got this family behind me, this this family tree and 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 I haven't gone to Ancestry.com yet or anything like that. Well, I know a lot about my dad's side of the family, but my mom's adopted and I don't know anything about her. Like we we don't know any of their history. There's no paperwork. And it's really frustrating because it's like we want to know 
Because it seems like it kind of shapes you and shapes like Ooh, the, kind of the way your family <laughs> you know, grows they have, and goes. They and... have those DNA tests. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I think we were thinking about doing them. There's a few different websites like that offer them, but it might be like a good way for you to find out. Is that pricey, Larissa? Um, it's Less about, than $100. Yeah. Really? So, I mean, yeah. I, I oh, heard they were bad. really expensive. You oh. might need to ask your mom and dad that's for some money, bad. but, you know, <laughs> save up. <laughs> yeah, because it would be nice to know about, about your mother's side. I mean where she came from I mean she she didn't just get dropped off a no, spaceship like, or something you know stork, no she's not like all we know is like she was born in Germany and like that's all we know like we don't know anything else about her your parents mom was or, born in Germany yeah like she okay. was adopted from a orphanage there and like we don't know anything else about the family there's no records or anything and it's like it'd be interesting to know who we're related to what they did for a living if they helped shape you know, yeah. society back then, like all that stuff. It's were just they stuff for you Hitler know. or were they against Hitler? Well, since we've still got Baldwin in the studio with us, because we haven't said goodbye to him. We just hate saying goodbye to this guy. Plus, Larissa won't let us. I can't get us. rid of him. Uh, no. <laughs> Rimshot once again. Uh, Baldwin, you've, you've kind of gone down this path, obviously, for finding Cleveland and, and more. Talk to our audience. Uh, what, what could they practically do to find out more about their family tree, their history? Well, first of all, talk to everyone that's older than you and just get as many stories as you can from whoever's still surviving. What about using your iPhone and, and filming that conversation? Definitely. You should record that because when, you are, when you're talking to them, you're probably going to forget 90% of what yeah. you just heard. Yeah. As long as you're recording something, you can always go back to it and say like, hey, you know, what, what did I miss that my dad said or that my mom said? Or your grandparents. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. So definitely if you have grandparents still around, uh, please, you know, just go talk to them, you know, and they'd be so happy that you even care. Oh, they will. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah before it's too late, I, I, I didn't get a chance to ask a lot of my grandparents questions when they were still alive and I feel like I now know more about Baldwin's grandfather and great-grandfather who we've neither of us have met or knew anything about prior to you know us finding Cleveland. Well Katie you just lost your grandmother not too long ago Uh, do you have questions now that you wish you would have been able to ask her? Yeah, I sit here every day and I'm just like, man, I wish I would have asked her that. And I want to know more about that in the family. And it's like a lot of the older generation on that side is dying out. So a lot of the information is dying with them. And it's like we wish someone would just get all of it and just have these questions answered because you want to know. And it's kind of frustrating when you don't and you regret not answering them asking the questions and getting answers while you still can't. You know, what's interesting is um, until we started doing this documentary, like I never realized our government actually keeps really good records. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice to know. Yeah. You're just thinking everything was paper back then, but there's actually files. Like if you know what city, um, you know, again, I can't speak for Germany, but like at least in the U.S., um, they have records. If you know where your grandparents or great grandparents were maybe born, where they owned a business or a house, you can try to go to those cities, go to the county clerk, go to city hall and find these records um research the libraries um or archives you just never know what you're going to find because we found all this information about baldwin's grandparents um and great-grandparents that we we had no idea what a great excuse for me to go back to italy yes go to to italy yes you know family trip (laughs) make sure you get some uh tomato beef chow mein while you're over there (laughs) (laughs) okay well there's more utah coming up right after this break we'll be answering a question we received from jocelyn about memories don't go anywhere and we want to thank our special guests today baldwin chu for stopping by thanks baldwin check out findingcleveland.com utah You're listening to Utah Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie. We got a text question from Jocelyn, and she wants to know, what's your best memory from when you were younger? Uh, How much time do we have? 
Oh, that's good. That means you had a great childhood, right? Yeah. I, you know, I really did. I I come from a large Italian family, and we laughed, we ate, we laughed some more, we ate some more. And, and you know, that's one of my best memories is on both sides of my family, my dad's and my mom's, we would get together. Italians love to eat. We love to laugh. And I remember it was just fun. Every major holiday, we were always together. We celebrated birthdays together. So uh, to me, uh, family memories, very, very positive family memories. Yeah, I think my favorite memories are my birthday parties. I got a birthday party every single year. And ah. so my parents, I was an only child, so it was oh, easy so for them you to do spoiled it. spoiled then? Do a we have to bit. do one for you this year, Larissa, <laughs> or can we skip it since you had so many already? Um, sure, I'll spread the wealth and someone else can have a birthday on my behalf. <laughs> um, at some point, you kind of get over it, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember having, um, like, on my 16th birthday party, I had this, like, big, like, party at my parents' house, and, like, one of my friends was a DJ. And, oh, cool. And so he brought his turntables and he, you know, rigged it up and, and we just, it was a lot of fun. My friends were all dancing and, you know, just having a good time. And, you know, those are some fond memories I have. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, Katie, what about you? What what fond memories do you have? Uh, best memory. Best whatever. Memories, I feel huh? like fond is a word that like my grandparents would use. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I had a lot of fun growing up. Uh, when I was young, we would have like board game nights and movie nights, like as a family. And that was always fun. It was always like pizza and you know all the stuff that you shouldn't really be eating you know ice cream and desserts and sodas well, well, hang and, on you just know. a second what are you talking about shouldn't be eating ice cream and pizza how much better does it get yeah so that was that was pretty fun board game nights and you know when it was monopoly night it would go forever i was just monopoly gonna say that like forever it was, in a day it was epic <laughs> Except, like, you never finish the game. No. Yeah, no. So guess what type of Monopoly I have. That's, Is that even a hard question for us to answer? You know, I, I don't know, because, you know, they have all those themed Monopolies. So guess which one I have. Oh, mm. let's see. Can't be Penguins. Can't be Garfield. So what Gar- else could it it's be? It's Garfield. Garfield. It is Garfield. Oh, it is Garfield, now, of course. I, like, I was saying that, you know, facetiously. Is, is one of the pieces, like, his lasagna? Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> okay, can we play Can we play the Garfield Monopoly and I want the lasagna piece? Sure, you can have okay. that. Okay, <laughs> you know, when you're Italian, it comes out and everything, even board games. But, Larissa, you made a documentary. I mean, not everybody has that ability to go out and film and edit. And how can we keep memories? Let's, let's talk about family memories. You know what we have to do more of? Like, I realize, like, now that everything's digital, like, photo-wise. Sure. Like, I don't even print out photos yeah. or, like, make photo books. But it's so good to, like, kind of flip through, like, the like mm-hmm. tangible. Like, you can hold it. So I think it's important to make these, like, scrapbooks and, and photo books like and, and keep all the letters. I'm a bit of a pack rat and a sentimental person. I keep, like, notes, people, and birthday cards and even text messages that people send me. Is that why you have the storage <laughs> space? Yeah. I, I get, like, new hard drives <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, I don't know how many people do this but i like to keep all my uh movie stubs from when i go to movies oh yeah interesting why i i just like there's memories connected to it like i'll look through i'll be like oh yeah i went to that movie in high school and like so and so was there and like sometimes like they represent something like oh you know like i took my sister there for her you know 16th birthday or it's just fun i want to actually get into scrapbooking and kind of put them all there and kind of write like who was there and what we saw and what we did and just stuff fun stuff like that it's different than just normal photos but i have some photos of being in the theater too with people well you know katie it's interesting because i i've 
collected uh, tickets from when I went to a, a sports game, like pro basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is, and concerts. So uh, whatever it is that you happen to want to collect and you want to remember, whether it's family, friends, activities, find a way to keep that information handy. Well, thanks for hanging with us and tell us how you keep your memories and tell your friends about Utah as well. Reach out to us by calling 1-855-508-8255. And of course, you can reach us through social media and our website, utahradio.com. Remember, Utah is all about you talking to us. Utah. Oh, this is so good. It just has to be fattening. Utah Radio with Steve, Larissa, and Katie.